Hello, you're listening to On Israel in Al Monitor. I am Ben Kaspit from Tel Aviv. In Vienna, representatives of uh, world powers are playing a game of wild poker with Iran. The Americans are uh, in a nearby room, excluded from the table by Trump's decision to pull out of the deal with Tehran. Meanwhile, Israel is trying to take advantage of the standoff to make its case in Washington. The U.S. capital has been under a massive Israeli blitz in recent weeks, which peaked this week with the visits of Mossad director Barnea, who met with the CIA and other officials, and Defense Minister Gantz, who met with the secretaries Blinken and Austin. Israel is pulling out uh, all the stops, trying to convince its American friend that this is an emergency, that it's now or never, and that unless maximum power is exerted on the Iranians right now, the U.S. will lose the deterrence it still has against the Ayatollahs, perhaps forever. The Israelis are hinting strongly that if that happens, they will be forced to do what their previous Prime Minister Netanyahu hesitated to do, attack Iran, whether directly or otherwise, in order to prevent the Islamic Republic's ambitions to become a nuclear power. Our guest today was intimately involved in the contacts with Washington over Iran. Professor Yaakov Nagel, a reserve brigadier general, served as Benjamin Netanyahu's national security advisor. He was in the room when Israel was shaping its policy on a U.S. pullout from the deal with Iran. He was there when President Trump was persuaded to pull the plug during a period that many Israelis uh, look back uh, uh, on Israel's glory days in Washington. Netanyahu and Trump are no longer in office. They are also no longer friends. And Professor Nagel's term has also ended. He will be with us right after this short break. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Hagedorn, and I'm the State Department correspondent at El Monitor. And I'm Joe Snell. I'm El Monitor's video editor. Let's admit it. This past year has been difficult to stay on top of the news and sift through what's accurate and what's misleading. Let El Monitor help you. If you care about the Middle East and North Africa, you should consider listening to El Monitor's audio series On the Middle East with Andrew Parasoliti and Amber and Zaman, and On Israel with Ben Caspi. You can now watch our newest video podcast, Reading the Middle East with Gilles Capel. You can subscribe to these series on your favorite podcast platforms. And through a host of free daily and weekly newsletters, we offer a range of perspectives with the highest journalistic standards. You can subscribe to these newsletters at almonitor.com. As an award-winning media service headquartered in Washington, D.C., Almonitor has a network of over 160 contributors around the world. So if you haven't done so already, be sure to visit almonitor.com, where you can find all of these newsletters and podcasts, along with first-class reporting and analysis. Now I'm very privileged to say hello and welcome Brigadier General, Reserves, Professor Jacob Nagel, Senior Fellow of uh, the FDD, former National Security Advisor and National Security Council Head Acting. Thank you, Mr. Nagel, Professor Nagel, for joining us here in on Israel in Almonito. Welcome, Shalom. Shalom and thank you to, for hosting me. I'm really uh, privileged. Okay. 
I presume that uh, like all of us, uh, you've been following the drama in Vienna and Israel's contacts with Washington and other capitals. What do you think Israel should try for, uh, for at this stage out of the available options? There is talk about returning to the 2015 agreement uh, or reaching a new, newer, leaner agreement in which uh, the sides would give less uh, and get less. Other options are uh, for the sides to keep a treading water or for the talks to blow up, meaning that the sanctions would remain in place and may even be tightened. Which of all these options do you think would be best for Israel, of course? Uh, first of all, I don't uh, agree that it's a drama. It's a well-orchestrated uh, story that the Iranians are running with all the climax being fixed in advance and I hope I will be wrong. Now, I assume that this, this question is really wide and probably I can uh, enlarge my, uh, widen my, my answer that maybe it will be the basic for the continuation of our, of our talk. Okay. First of all, you, you uh, laid up some options. One of them, take off from the table. There is no returning to the 2015 uh, agreement. Even uh, Robert Mali, the special envoy, uh, Biden's special envoy to the talks, understands that you cannot go back to 2015, even so all the group that is working for Biden now, Sherman, uh, uh, Sullivan, uh, Barnes, uh, Mali, uh, all the others are the leaders of the 2015 uh, agreement. First of all, because what we learned since 2015, And second, uh, because the Iranians just made so much progress because of the uh, mistakes that people did in the 2015, mostly the, and the advanced uh, centrifuges and the sunset. So this is option you take off the table. Now, yes, I agree with you that the United States wants, and they are telling us, look, this is only the beginning. What we want is a, longer, stronger, wider, wider, it's okay, but they are talking to themselves. The Iranians are laughing. And uh, what you mentioned at the third one, and I'm sure you uh, read some of my articles, this is the worst of all. What the Americans and others call less for less or different for different, I call it more for less or very much more for very much less. Uh, and this is the worst of all. Now, Yes, uh, I'm afraid from what you uh, asked about uh, treading water. This is what is going on now. This is the best for the Iranians. This is the uh, reason for the Iranian strategy and the demands in uh, Vienna and the American uh, really, you know, I don't want to, to, to use very hard uh, words, but they are really doing exactly what the Iranians want and the European have to, you know, strike their teeth and the Chinese and the Russians are really uh, brushing their hands and, and enjoy uh, watching the, the movie. And this is all without even talking, and I don't know if we'll have time to talk about Syria, Lebanon, Hamas, PGMs and all the other things that the Iranians are doing. I, I belong to those that have to say that we have to differentiate between the nuclear problem and all others. 
but the Iranians are continuing doing this and continuing, uh, and again, this is, will be a rush one, they are spitting in the face of all the participants, especially the Americans, and they enjoyed the rain. So actually, you did not pick up one because there are no more options, unfortunately, after the no, demise. Are, okay, no, no, this is my, okay. this is my end uh, sentence. I thought you want to ask something. Now, what is the option that you can do? And I'm sure we'll come back to it later. We have to, we, the United States and the Europeans, I don't uh, recall the Chinese and the Russians joining this time, the maximum pressure the maximum economical pressure on the Iranians and putting on the table credible military threat, credible economical threat. Now, I didn't uh, elaborate, but the uh, Iranian strategy stands on four fits. First of all, they are saying that the Americans, they have the capability to stop the, the, the nuclear program. They have the capability to strike or to attack but they are not going to do it because they are weak and it's not part of their DNA. It's not part of their diplomatic scheme of uh, solving the things that I agree if, if it's going to the right way. The second leg is they say, okay, Israel is looking and see US uh, weak. Israel don't have the capability to uh, attack and strike uh, Iran. And unfortunately, and I'm not saying it's right, I'm saying it's wrong, but unfortunately, uh, some unresponsible Israelis, most of them, some of them are, don't know what they're talking, but some of them are ex, very, very uh, high-ranked uh, officials, and they're saying, yes, we uh, slept, we fell asleep in, uh, in our uh, shift, and we didn't do anything, we don't have capabilities. So I'm closing uh, the circuit and saying, look, I'm not saying what we have, what we don't have, this is things that we are not talking about, but for sure, we know what to do. And so this second leg, the Iranians should uh, understand that it's wrong. So we have, the weak, we have the weakness of the Americans and the capability- The weakness of the Americans, the, Israel- The, the, uh, look, the capabilities uh, we, of Israel- The Americans have the capability, but they don't do it because they're weak. Israel, this is, again, this is the Iranian strategy. Israel don't have the capability, they're wrong, but they, they're leaning on some Israelis and some others okay. don't have the capability and they are looking on the Americans so they are not going to strike alone. Third leg is that the Iranians believe that their economy can withstand the uh, pressure that they have now in, in this level. And you know what? I'm not sure they are wrong uh, in this or the only leg that they can withstand two or three, four more years of this economical pressure. And the first one, very important one, they don't see any credible threat against their regime, their economy, their life, their families, their personal belongings. All of those threats that brought them to the table, 2003, 2009, 2012, those are not on the table. So if you ask me what is out of the options that you didn't mention, what is the option that they must take? And if the Iranians will understand that this is the real option, maybe, I'm not sure, maybe something will happen, is that maximum pressure, much, much, much bigger than, more than, than what they have now, and credible threats on all parameters. Those are the two so, things that 
Okay, so let's proceed. And I agree with you that the, the American approach is very naive. But I, I mentioned and I saw, not, not only me, that uh, just before uh, uh, Minister Gantz arrived in Washington uh, last week, a senior U.S. official was quoted as saying that the meeting with Austin between the two defense ministers would include discussion of possible joint military exercises to prepare for what he called the worst option of a military strike if diplomacy fails. And you know better than I do that Israel has long been begging the Americans to place a credible military threat. You just said it yourself on the table in order to lead, to lead the, the Iranians in the right direction. Do you see this as a significant step uh, in the right direction? Let's be, try to be op optimistic. I am totally see it as a, a step in the right direction. I see a really, really, really uh, importance, really, really uh, very much importance in this uh, direction. Is it going to happen? I'm not sure because I remind you again, the, the team that is working on this issue. Austin was not part of the team of 2015, but all the others, yes. So uh, the team have an internal uh, obligation to this crazy, bad, uh, defected uh, agreement of 2015. Now, uh, in a negotiation, you give some, you take some. Some people call it carrots and sticks. This negotiation now is carrots and carrots. You know, in Hebrew, it's 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 even sounds better. But this is an English interview, so I <clears throat> I, I won't say uh, you know the, the the two sides of negotiation. Give and take. In this in this negotiation is give and give. <clears throat> this is something that we cannot continue. It's not. It's something that I don't think we uh, can uh, take. Now, some people say. And again, I don't think it's right, but maybe there is something in, in it that what you see lately that, you know, even the current uh, the current government in Israel, everyone is now singing the same uh, song. I, 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 I really, you know, my view, I really like it. It was not like this a few weeks ago, but everyone is, is you know, is standing in the same line. Some people say it's because the Americans asked us to do it and we are falling in uh, in the pit again, meaning that every time when Israel become, you know, uh, uh, threatening and others on behalf of the United States, then the Iranians, I'm not saying are being frightened, but maybe now, maybe it ma it makes them to go to the table Actually, and give up some. You're saying Americans. that we are the Americans are using us. We are this is, people are saying so. Uh, you're actually you're hinting that we're supposedly playing with the, the Americans, the, the good good cup, bad cup uh, uh, play game, that we are the bad cup and they are the good cup. And and I want to ask you, uh, you you've been until recently the Israel's national security advisor. And, and if you could sit down with Jake Sullivan, the President Biden's national security advisor, and until recently, your American counter counterpart, what would you tell him in one sentence, the, the, the strongest thing that you can tell him about the danger or whatever of be Iran becoming nuclear? Uh, 
first of all, it was not my counterpart. It's sitting in the position of my counterpart. Remember that on my uh, shift, I had the counterpart, uh, Susan Rice. It's about not easy. Of she's, course. Uh, very, very, she's very, uh, again, she's very, you know, she has its, her own uh, ideas. She's very tough. I even negotiated the MOU with her. But remember that Jake Sullivan, and I think Jake Sullivan is a really positive uh, person. I know that my replacement, Yal uh, Hulata, have very good relations with him. Mm -hmm. And he really wants the best for the United States and for Israel. But he was part of the team together with uh, Barnes and some others from the State Department and the White House, sitting in Oman, closing the, the main argument of the agreement with Iran before we even started the negotiations. Uh, for example, they gave them, okay, you will be able to reach, to enrich uranium. For the first time, a, a country that is under your uh, uh, Security Council uh, sanctions, not to enrich at all, the Americans are coming to Israel telling us there will be zero enrichment in uh, Iran at the final. Uh, and they are closing behind the scenes, yes, you will get. And the details will be later. So if I have to tell him one sentence is exactly what I told you before. You want something to happen? The, Amer the Iranians have to understand that you are serious and you are not playing their game. You have to put on the table a very, very uh, massive and productive uh, pressure, the maximum pressure plus and the credible threat. And please uh, start uh, leave the, the, the again the, the word fear is not good but leave like I am afraid that there will be a blow up of the of the talks just one sentence remember the Iranians need these talks and this agreement much much uh, more than you Raisi won't come to Vienna I won't send these people to Vienna unless he understands that if you want to do something to this to the the falling uh, Iranian economy, you have to reach some kind of an agreement. They are still coming with the maximum demands. What I am afraid is that at the end we will find ourselves with, you know, they are giving up three, four, five percent. They are letting them into garage. Wow, what a, what a, what an achievement! And then the Americans and the European, everyone will come. We had a very very big, big achievements. We have a very good uh, agreement. Uh, it's better than a war. Let's go back and then they check up the mark and they can can continue to go to Syria, to uh, to uh, China, to uh, Russia, to North Korea, to Corona, to economy. If if I look on on their top ten list, unfortunately Iran is number eleven. This is this is the problem. This is what I would tell to my good friend Sadiman. I don't know. Number eleven is uh, you you you're going far. You know the, we we are used to say that China is number one. Uh, Covid nineteen. No, what, is what number... I'm saying is that out of the top ten, Iran is number eleven. Yes, yes, understood. Out of the, out of the top twenty, Iran is number twenty one. Understood. I want to ask you a delicate question. Uh, does Iran already fit the, the definition of a threshold nuclear state? And if so, 
can Israel afford to accept this status? And I'm asking it because we all know that they are already enriching uranium to the level of 60%. We all know that going from 60 to 95 to, to military level is very easy. We all know they, they, are, they have the, 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 the centrifuges that are very fast and very modern, the R8, etc. So they're actually there. A very, 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 very important question. Maybe the, the most important that you ask me. First of all, as I said before, I don't remember if, if I said it already, what is the definition of a threshold country? People are tending to do a lot of mistakes and you almost uh, fell to this uh, all again. You are not measuring a threshold country by saying, by saying uh, what level of enrichment they are doing now what they are having, how much time it will take them to do this and this and this. Of course, all of them, it's, all of those things are important. You are, measure, you are measuring a threshold country by only one parameter. Are they in the situation that it's only their decision when they want to go and to become a nuclear state? So they don't have to be a nuclear state. They have to be in a, in a status that it's only their decision to become nuclear, and they are in the status in the status that no one can stop them from becoming nuclear. Irreversible. For example, Japan, for example, Japan is, a, is a threshold country. No one cares because Japan don't want to be the nuclear bomb. Germany is a, a, a nuclear threshold country. No one cares because they are not going to be. Iran cannot be in, situ in this situation, and those people, that are saying that we can accept, some of them Americans, some of them even Israelis, and of course some other countries in the world, that we can accept and we even, you know, there are some reporters that you know very good that say, look, forget it. We have to start living with the fact that Iran will become a threshold country. We have to live in uh, and understand that we cannot stop it. This is a very, 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 very big mistake. Because once Iran will be a threshold country, and of course, when, once it will be a nuclear, and I'm sure we'll talk about it later, the world won't look uh, again the same. Now, are Iran there now? No. Are they are closing? Are they are very close? Yes. Now, I'll tell you one sentence that uh, once we were sitting with Wendy Sherman and others during 2012-13, when, when we started negotiating before the agreement was signed, and Israel uh, threatened to, to attack, and I, I'm sure you know, and you wrote about it alone. Of course. Uh, and, and they were asking us, I was then the deputy, the deputy NSA, and uh, Jacob Amidrov was the head. And she was asking us, what about Israel attacking? Are you going to do it today, tomorrow? And then we were sitting in a classified, you know, uh, video conference. He was used to open the curtain, look on the sky and say, you know what, my good friend uh, Sherman, I don't see planes in the sky. So it's meaning it's not going to be today. Is it going to be tomorrow? I don't know. Israel, and it's uh, connecting to the uh, question you asked me before. Israel will do what it needs when we'll come to the point that we'll, we will decide that tomorrow is too late. Now, tomorrow can be next week or next month, but when we will decide and we'll come to the understanding that we don't have time and tomorrow it will be too late. So Iran will go into what we call the immune zone. 
the place that you cannot stop her, then we will have to do what we need to do with ever what we have. It can be 90%, 70, 20, and preferred 100% of the capabilities. I think you under, you explained it uh, uh, in a way that I understood. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Minister Gantz told the Americans that Iran should not be considered an Israeli problem because it's in fact a threat to the world and to the region. What are the implications of a nuclear Iran for the Middle East, the Gulf? I, I, I'm sure that you dealt with it when you were in office. What will it make, uh, you know, people are talking about a, a nuclear race between all the, all the states in the Middle East, etc. I must say you, you did your homework very good and you asked all the right questions about this very sensitive issue. Uh, to understand, to, to, to explain to your audience, what is the biggest, what are the biggest uh, threats and, 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 and dangerous with, uh, with Iran, uh, with nuclear Iran? Look, if Iran will become nuclear or even threshold country, it will open uh, arm race in our area. You imagine that Saudi Arabia will uh, stay still when Iran will be nuclear. Now remember that uh, this is coming back to the defective 2015 agreement. They gave the Iranians to enrich uranium with the IR ones. Uh, 5,000 plus uh, centrifuges. Now they said it's a very big, big achievement because uh, they were going, they had 10,000 and they went to, they were going to 20,000, now they have five. It's like when I, uh, you know, find a burglar in my home and I stop him and he say, you know what? Uh, I'm telling him, you know what? Leave my wife and children, don't kill them and I'll give you all the jewelry that you found. It's, it's crazy. They gave them 5,000. Now the Pakistanians with the same IR ones because uh, Abdul Qadr Khan is the one that gave them, with 7,000 centrifuges, they built 70 uh, nuclear bombs. Now, so so we, we cannot say that we can accept uh, Iran as a, as, a, as a threshold country or as a nuclear. It will open a race. It's Egypt, it's Jordan, it's Turkey, it's Saudi all over and the world won't be the same. And of course, the Iranians will start behave different in our uh, area. The aggression in Syria, their militias, uh, all the things that we are doing, sometimes we, we take responsibility, sometimes uh, according to foreign press, all the war between wars, our, our, that we stop the PGMs, the precise guided munitions coming from Iran via Syria to Lebanon, they want to build a, a very, very, very massive threat against Israel. All those who find of them, they will, you know, they will leave the, the, the leash, will, will be out, and uh, it will be another world. Now, some people say, we have to stop, we, we don't have to do it now, we have to gain a time, we have to prepare ourselves. To prepare ourselves for what? I call it, as a, you know, as a phrase, I don't need time to build, to build, to build stables that once I'm going to finish to build the stable, I don't have horses to put inside. So I don't have time to spend and to prepare. The problem is now. They are very close. We have to stop them now. This is the uh, idea. Since you've uh, answered also my last question, I will trade it with a different one. And I will ask you, without getting into politics, because national security is a concern of everyone in Israel, 
If I would tell, tell you that uh, the maximum pressure uh, uh, strategy and the pulling out of the agreement will bring us to the situation today when the Iranians, sur uh, Iranians survived, Trump is not uh, there anymore, the Americans did not attack, would you still say it was a good uh, thing to do? It was worthwhile? Wasn't it a mistake? Looking now in retrospect, Look, this is really a little bit politics, but I don't care because it's not, it's not real politics. Leave politics. It's, now I, I'm asking no, yeah, no. as I a professional, a clean think, professional. And again, like and again take, out, take out what uh, President Trump just said in some interviews uh, that were published in the last few yes. Now, what I'm saying is <clears throat> it was the most important thing that I think that, again, there are others, you know, uh, uh, taking the embassy to Jerusalem. Uh, I, uh, it's the most important why, because, and this is something that I have a lot of debates with my good friends. Some of them, you know, that people say that Israel didn't, uh, and I'll, I'll elaborate a little bit. It's the last question you said, I'll elaborate. People said Israel was not part of the uh, negotiations. We didn't affect them, total nonsense. I was the head of the Israeli expert team. In my team, there was almost everyone the, the, the Mossad, the, the IDF, <clears throat> the foreign ministry, the strategic department, everyone was in my team. We met almost, <clears throat> I, I think I did something like 50 flights, mostly to the US, but also to UK, France, Germany. You know, yeah. I did once to China, I found it a waste of time and two times to Russia also. But we wrote something like 50 to 70 technological pa uh, papers telling them the agreement is very, very, very bad, but at least understand what you're doing. Change this, change them. And then they came and say, okay, we helped them to have, to be, to, to make a, a better agreement. No, we made this agreement a little bit less worse. Now, what I'm saying is that pulling out of it was the best thing to do. Why? Because some people say, uh, but what you did then, do, do now negotiate, give the Americans, then there was a negotiation, at least there was a negotiation of what to write in the agreement. For example, there is a section of one page talking about the weapon system. We wrote it, but they didn't mean uh, to force it. This is what uh, Amano told us. He told, well, you don't remember that the Russians, American, us, we agreed. It's, it's a page in the agreement for the Israelis. We are not going to, to force it. We don't know how to force it. But there was three alternatives. There was a bad agreement, no agreement, and a good agreement. The good agreement was not on the table. Mm -hmm. So it was a bad agreement that Obama called a good agreement. Today, we have two alternatives. We have alternative between a no agreement and a bad agreement. Even the American, everyone understands that the only agreement we can get now from the Iranians is a very bad one. Maybe worse if it would be the, the more for less one. It would be worse than the 2015 if somehow they will say we are going back without having the capability and the physics to go back, it will be worse as before, and then six years uh, passed. Now, Obama said, working on the 2015 agreement will make, will make them for sure. Zero minutes from the bomb. But I hope that, now Netanyahu told him, look, I cannot put my future, my, 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 my country, my, my nation future in ops. This is why pulling out of the agreement at least was supposed to do a change. Now, what happened since, look, the, the, the biggest 
violations of the Iranians of the agreement is after Biden was uh, uh, elected, not from 2018. Yes, 2018 is more than 2015, but also between 2015 and 2018, they violated the agreement. But after 2018, they violated more, and after 2021, they violated very much more. Still, nothing happened. Where is the snapback? Where it is? They said, no, if they are allowed 300 kilo of low enrichment uranium, they have 301. And now when it happens, no, for one kilo, you do a war, for 200 kilo, for one ton. Where we ask them, write a list of, if they do this and this and this and this, the agreement will do this and this and this. Where is the red line, you actually ask? In diplomacy, you are not doing those kinds of things. This is why pulling out of the agreement was the best thing to do. And I'm saying it now. after three years, not just then. Professor uh, Brigadier General uh, Yaakov Nagel, it was extremely interesting and uh, deep, and I thank you again very much for joining us here in um, Israel in Al Monitor. Thank you and very thank much. You. Toda raba, toda. Toda raba, thank you very much, thank you. Hello, I'm uh, Gilles Kepel, professor at uh, Sciences Po and uh, Normal Sup in Paris and author of a number of uh, books and articles on the Middle East. Through my new podcast, Reading the Middle East, on the award-winning media service and monitor, we will take a deep dive into the trends in the region with the authors and thought leaders who are shaping how we think about the Middle East. Reading the Middle East will be a fantastic addition to Al Monitor's outstanding podcast lineup, including On the Middle East with Andrew Paraziliti and Amber Inzaman, and On Israel with Ben Kaspit. You can subscribe on your favorite listening platforms. We look forward to your joining our conversation. Thank you for uh, staying with us. Uh, Professor uh, Brigadier General uh, Yaakov Nagel uh, gave us many, many headlines. He was National Security Advisor at, until uh, not long ago. And he was in the room and he said, uh, first of all, that uh, we don't see any drama. Nothing is uh, surprising him right now. The whole event in Vienna is designated and orchestrated uh, in, in Nagel's uh, voice or opinion by Iran. And another thing he said, that there will be no going back to the JCPOA, the two, uh, 2015 agreement. He said even Rob Mali, the president's uh, special envoy to the Iranian issue, said and admitted it because the Iranians, uh, since uh, the United States pulled out of, of the agreement, advanced a lot. And we know now a lo many things we did not know uh, 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 before. And it's too late for this agreement to be renewed. Professor Nagel, that uh, was uh, Benjamin Netanyahu's uh, man to the negotiation and uh, everything else, was ve very, he criticized the, the American attitude and strategy in very harsh words. He said that the, 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 every negotiation has to be or to, to contain carrots and sticks, uh, but this negotiation is only sticks, uh, I'm sorry, only carrots the Americans give and they don't get anything uh, in return from the Iranians. 
He said that the Americans are talking to themselves. Uh, they're not talking actually the, to, to Iran. And the Iranians are laughing. They wanted, uh, they, they, they came to Vienna only to lift the sanctions, not to give anything else. And uh, they're actually spitting in the face of the Americans in uh, Nagel's words. And the Americans uh, convinced themselves that it's rain. A very important part of this uh, conversation was about uh, me asking him, is Iran already a threshold nuclear state? And uh, Professor Nagel denied it fiercely, and, and he was very, very clear on it. He said that uh, measuring uh, how much, how much uh, enriched uranium you have, 60% or 3.5%, is not important at all. The only thing that is important uh, in order to define you as a, as a nuclear threshold state is the question, is the only thing that, that uh, puts you apart from the nuclear bomb is your decision. Uh, if it's only your decision to become nuclear is the thing that now stands between, between you and the goal. He said that Japan, for example, and Germany are threshold uh, nuclear states. They have all the capabilities and all the know-how and everything, infrastructure, but no one is worried because they don't want to be there. Is Iran there now? I asked him. He said, no. Are they closing in? Yes. And he also said that Israel, when we will reach this point, this exact point, the late uh, Meir Dagan, head of uh, Mossad, said, when the sword will be on our neck, then Israel will, will do whatever it can do, said the Professor Nagel, strike Iran with 100% of our capabilities. And this is a very interesting thing to think about, 100% of Israel's capabilities. I hope you found it uh, interesting. I did. And I hope to find you here uh, next week uh, uh, in the same place and the same time in On Israel, in Al Monitor. I'm Ben Kaspit from Tel Aviv. Take care and bye-bye.